1: You may have noticed there are strange tallboys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer, it's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. So, that can you see your coworkers cracking open at your 9am meeting? It isn't beer, it's liquid death. So why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Drinking water from a freezing cold can is actually way more refreshing than a bottle, trust me. Plus, it is way better for the environment and the economy. They're still, they're sparkling, mango chainsaw, buried alive, and my personal favorite, severed lime. And they are now armed with 3 grams of agave nectar for even more brutal flavor. So I'm going to enjoy this can of lime, and you can go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday. 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. Is the Pack a Day podcast?
2: What's up, Packer fans? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Packers Bills Sunday Night Football. The Packers officially defeat the Buffalo Bills 10 to three in the second half. Other than that, it didn't go very well. <laughs> bills ultimately win 27 to 17 and. I'll be honest, this is a difficult game to break down because it seems like there are some very differing opinions on how to sort of analyze this game. And I think you can kind of read it in a couple different ways. I think the first thing is that the Bills won 27 to 17. The game was never really in the balance. Green Bay was down by double digits the vast majority of the game and certainly in the second half. On the flip side, I know a lot of people were a little bit happier that the Packers covered. They looked competent at times. They found a little bit more of a formula on offense. I kind of come down a little bit more on the first part. I I don't think that there is a ton to take away from this game. I think the Buffalo Bills kind of played with their food a little bit in the second half and allowed Green Bay to kind of hang around to some extent. More on that in just a moment. But I don't know. This is a little bit of a, a Rorschach test to be honest. Different people had a lot of different thoughts on this one. I, I thought this was another poor performance overall, especially when you look at the first half of this game. It's 24-7 at halftime and Green Bay had opportunities to make it closer and the Bills just made things look so easily. And we should mention here very clearly that the Bills are a phenomenal football team. They have very few weaknesses. They are extremely talented. They have, if not the best quarterback in football, you know. Allen and Mahomes are one A and one B. Put them in whatever order that you want. They're extremely difficult to play. There are no easy answers. I know people want to kind of take a dump on Joe Barry for this game. You are darned if you do, darned if you don't against this Bills team. Like there's, there's no answer to the test. If you play press man, they will beat you. If you play zone, they will beat you. If you play off, they will have the ability to run the ball. Although uh, they haven't done it well throughout the course of the season, and Green Bay did not play well up front, but I don't know that that's a Joe Barry issue. That's a the guys up front on the defensive line, linebackers, etc., didn't play a very good game. Um, I'm not defending Joe Barry. I don't think he did like you know a tremendous job in this game. I don't think he's done a tremendous job this season. I I understand the complaints, but. I don't know. There was, there's no easy answer on this one. There's no perfect answers to the test. So again, you look at this game as a whole and like, what conclusions do you want to draw from it? I know that people will point to the second half and say, Hey, they were down 24, seven at half. And Matt LaFleur said at halftime, he just wanted to see a little bit of fight. And I kind of opened up this show jokingly saying, Hey, they won the second half, 10 to three. Listen, that's great. I love the fact that they kept fighting. I love the fact that up until the very end, they're trying to convert a field goal so they can try for an onside kick and maybe get a Hail Mary, etc., cetera, et cetera, But cetera. Wh- why does that have to be the thing? And why is that the litmus test for this team all of a sudden is did they try hard in the second half? Matt LaFleur should not be having to have kumbayas on the sideline during their last home game to try to get the team motivated. He should not have to go into the halftime and be like, I want to see what you guys are made of in the second half because you're down 17 points on the road. That that was not the bar that was set earlier this season was to be like, hey, can you compete with the Bills in the second half and at least not give up? That's that's nothing. That, that should be... The minimum, And why does that have to be a thing that needs to get corrected throughout the majority of these games of like, ah, you know, we were happy that, you know, the guys kept fighting until the end. Where was that fight at the beginning of the game? That that to me is what's frustrating is you shouldn't have to have those conversations with your team. This is a team that was expected to compete at the highest of levels, has lost three games in a row, is now going against the, the best team in the league. And you come out I don't know that I can say they came out flat, but they they weren't competitive in the first half in any way, shape, or form. And you're down twenty-four to seven at half. And yes, give the Bills some credit; they're extremely talented. But what I don't want to hear is like, you know, I I really talked to the guys at halftime, and you know, I really want to see what they're made of and if they can come out and compete. And let's just take this like. That's the minimum. That is the bare minimum. So listen, I'm, I'm happy they, they didn't give up. I'm happy they competed hard in the second half. I'm happy they won the second half against an extremely talented football team. Again, they won 10 to three in the second half, but that doesn't erase a 24 seven halftime deficit. That doesn't get you over the hump. And there are positives to take away and we'll get into all of that, but having them that, you know, or the idea that they kept fighting in the second half and you know, great. What, what do you want for that? You don't, you don't win anything by being competitive in the second half after you went down 24 to seven in the first half. That's, that's not a thing. I will say if you would have told me going into this game that the Packers put up almost 400 total yards of offense, held Josh Allen to 13 of 25 passing for only 218 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. They won the turnover battle, ran for over 200 yards, and won the time of possession by over seven minutes. If you would have painted that entire picture for me, I'd have been like, okay, maybe Buffalo still won. Maybe they got some explosives, but like, there's a good chance Green Bay won that game, if not should have won that game. And at minimum, it was probably close. The fact that all those things were true, again, almost 400 total yards of offense, Josh Allen, two touchdowns, two picks, under 220 yards. Green Bay had over 200 yards of rushing, won the time of possession by over seven minutes. The fact that all of those things were true, and they still lost by double digits, and it was never close in the second half, I don't know if that is, like, there's positives to take away from that. They were competitive, I guess, but the fact they still lost by double digits, and it wasn't close, even with all of those things going right is to some level also concerning because I don't think the Bills played a very good game, certainly not in the second half. In the first half, they were on fire. In the second half, like I said, it kind of felt like they were playing with their food a little bit, kind of let Green Bay hang around. But all those things did go okay for the Packers and they still lost by double digits. I think I think that's concerning more than it is like a level of optimistic. Listen, I, how I would sort of describe this is... It felt to me as I watched it and then rewatched it, it felt like this was a little bit of fool's gold. And what I mean by that is if I would have told you going into the game that the Packers would be down 27 to 10 in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left and the Bills had basically a first and goal inside the Packers 10-yard line, you know what 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 would you have said? I mean, clearly you would have been like, all right, well, they, they didn't compete in that game. And yeah, it's great that they got a, a pick off of an awful decision by Josh Allen. It's great that they went 90 some yards and scored a touchdown after that. It's great that they were able to get the, the Bills to to punt away on their next possession after using up their timeouts. But by the time they got the ball back, all their timeouts are gone. There's two minutes left. And at that point, you basically have to go, you know, field goal, onside kick, hail Mary, probably two-point conversion to try to get the win and like that that's your best case scenario at that point. like I said th- this game was never in the balance and if I would have told you it was 27 10 10 minutes left bills have first and goal on their own the eight-ish yard line that's not a competitive game. Green Bay made it you know nice job keeping it close at the end by keeping it to, to 10 points as the final score and if you're betting that certainly mattered but outside of that that that's not a moral victory. The Bills took it to you, played in a really kind of a super crappy second half, still beat you by double digits and the game was never in the balance. I I have a hard time taking that as a positive, especially go back to training camp. If I would've told you any of this in training camp, you're not taking that away as a positive and being like, ah, yeah, you know, they they really stuck in there in the second half. Okay, great. But again, that's not the goal. This is, is, I wanna bring you through this because I think this is important to go through and why, why I think this game was a little bit of fool's gold for the Packers if you're trying to take away a moral victory. First drive of the game, Bills go three and out, six yards and punt. That was a fantastic defensive performance on that first drive by the Packers. That's good, there's good in that that you can take away. They get the ball, they go down the field, nine plays, 34 yards with five minutes off the clock, but they turn the ball over on downs on a really rough play that just didn't have any chance. They allowed pressure up the, you know, up the middle by Zach, I think it was Zach Tom on that play and they turn the ball over on downs. Okay, you got some yardage, but the turnover really kills you. Bills go eight plays, 61 yards, and score a touchdown. Packers immediately go three and out on, on offense. Bills get the ball back, go four plays, 51 yards, touchdown, and it's 14 nothing. Bills. I talked about yesterday. It was very clear that for Green Bay to be in this game, they needed to get off to a fast start, and they did the exact opposite. They go down 14 nothing almost immediately. And we see now that the Packers would only score 17 points in the entirety of this game. And if you keep things close, maybe that things go a little bit different, maybe they take some points in different scenarios, but at the end of the day, they only scored 17 points total. So going down 14, nothing, you basically from that point forward needed to play a near perfect game and they didn't. So the next drive, kudos to the Packers offense, they go 12 plays, 80 yards, eight and a half minutes, go down, score a touchdown, the beautiful catch by Romeo Dobbs. But even here, I want to point out, think of the the best offenses, the most high-octane offenses. Look at the Bills in this game. They're scoring points with not ease, but like what I want to say here is that that touchdown throw to Dobbs, I want you to look at just how difficult that touchdown catch was. And that's great for Romeo Dobbs. No two ways about it. That was a phenomenal play by him. But that is a play where, Rodgers, beautiful throw by Rodgers, but Dobbs has to spin in three different directions and catch a insane ball that is extremely contested in the back of the end zone and still come down with it. And he did. That's awesome. That's great. That's That's a huge play for Romeo Dobbs. But that's the level of difficulty that it takes for the Packers to even get points on the board right now, to get in the end zone. There's nothing easy for this team right now. So great play, great drive, 12 plays, 80 yards, eight minutes off the clock, eight and a half minutes off the clock, and think they're right back in it, 14 to seven. So can the defense come back and get you the ball back and maybe have a chance to go down and tie the game before halftime? Nope, eight plays, 80 yards, 421 off the clock, and all of a sudden it's 21 to seven bills. All right, Packers, you've got a potential uh, you know opportunity to score before halftime and then get the ball back in the second half and maybe even score again probably unlikely, but you have the opportunity to do that. Nope. Basically a three. Now they go four plays, 13 yards, punt the ball away. And then with only a minute left, less than a minute left, I think in, in the half bills, get an explosive play down the field, take a couple shots towards the end zone, take the field goal. And it's immediately 24 to seven bills. So you're down 17 at half three scores. You're going to get the ball in the second half. And this is the next drive. I will say also not fool's gold at all. The Packers go eight plays, 72 yards, and a beautiful drive and should have had it capped off with a touchdown to Robert Tunyon. That was a phenomenal drive. That there was something they can legitimately take away from that drive. No question about it. I will say I think the the Bills were letting them not letting them run, but they were certainly not as afraid of the run at that point because they're up by 17. They just don't want to allow some explosives, but Green Bay did a great job of getting explosives on the run game and getting what should have been a really nice touchdown pass to Robert Tunyon in the back of the end zone. So I love that drive. That should have got them kind of back in the game at 24-14. to Instead, they have to settle for the field goal because of the really bad call on Tunyon. So it's 24-10. Bills go eight plays, 51 yards, take four minutes off the clock and kick a field goal to make it a three-score game again, 27-10. And then you have a sort of very perplexing drive and you've got 27-10 to Bills. And the, the Packers go 11 plays, 48 yards, almost entirely runs, take six and a half, over six and a half minutes off the clock, almost seven minutes off the clock and get nothing out of it on a turnover on downs where it's fourth and one, fourth and one and a half. There's a, basically a 10 man box. They try to go halfback dive, it had no chance and it's turnover on downs and a legitimate dagger at that point because you took a ton of time off the clock and you got nothing to show for it at all. So that was a very perplexing drive. Now you're basically into the fourth quarter. The Bills go five plays, six yards. The Packers get an interception. They're fighting back. That's great. Good job by the defense. The Packers get it back down uh, by 17. One play, tip ball, interception, right back to the Bills. And then it's five plays, 41 yards for the Bills. That's when they had it first and goal, 27-10. Bills with it in Packer territory, deep in Packer territory, Allen makes a unexplicable decision. They basically should have probably just run the ball there and made it 30 to at minimum 30 to 10 bills with, you know, probably eight minutes left at that point, probably insurmountable for green Bay. You get the interception there. Nice play by jaw. You go eight plays, 95 yards in three minutes capped off by the Samori Toure touchdown. So that was good. Brings it to 27, 17 bills eventually punt Packers miss the field goal. End of game. So, Yes, there were some positives to take away. I love the drive to start the second half to what should have made it 24 to 14. But you do have to remember that 359 of the 398 yards of offense for the Packers came when they were down by two scores. And a lot of that was running the football when the Bills were basically just trying to make sure they didn't give up explosives, especially when Green Bay was down by three scores. So. Again, I'll say it again. I love the fact that Green Bay kept fighting. I love that they played to the final whistle, but this game was never in the balance. The Bills controlled this game from beginning to end, and it was really some Bills' uncharacteristic mistakes. They missed some throws. Josh Allen did. He made two really bad decisions on turnovers that kind of kept Green Bay in the game. I just don't feel like Green Bay ever legitimately had a chance in this game in the second half, even though they won the second half 10 to three. So that's why I would sort of put that as more of like, I think there's things I can take away. I think there's positives, but I don't think the what what Green Bay was trying to do with running the football in the second half, the bills were basically indifferent towards they're like, and we've said this before when the Packers have been on defense and up big in games, you don't care you don't really care if the other team runs the ball down the field and takes seven minutes off the clock. Your goal is to hold them to a field goal at the end, which they did unfortunately on the the Tunyon drive because of a bad call. You held them a turnover on downs on the seven minute drive. Like Buffalo was willing to give up some yards to take time off the clock. And even if Green Bay gets this close, are you confident that the Bills, if they needed to all of a sudden go high octane again and go put points on the board that they couldn't have done that? I just like, I don't see it that way at all. So positives there are to take away. And again, we'll go over those in just a second, but I I overall have a really hard time in saying like, yeah, this is a moral victory. It just felt like, like, again, I'll say the last time here, bills kind of played with their food in the second half were easily up 24 to seven in the first half. And they Green Bay took some things that the bills were willing to give them in the second half to make it look a little bit closer than it really was at the end of the game. Now, some positives. I do think Green Bay found a bit more of a formula on offense. I thought them running the football, which we've been asking for all season long, basically, they showed they could do it. And I know the Bills were playing in not a prevent defense, but a lot of, you know, two safeties high and willing to allow some of those looks, but Green Bay took them. And that is part of the issue that's been plaguing them is that when teams are daring them to run the football, they were still trying to pass. And they took what was there, and they got some productivity out of it. Over 200 total yards of rushing offense, and clearly, Aaron Jones looked phenomenal. AJ Dillon had some really nice runs. I think that is something that they can build upon moving forward. I love the flash plays from the rookies in this game. We talked about the Romeo Dobbs touchdown. He had the corner out uh, in the back or in the uh, towards the sideline uh, in the I guess late in the second half, which was beautiful. Samore Toure, the gorgeous touchdown, Kingsley and Igbare had another flash play. I love seeing those things from the younger players. Aaron Jones was beyond phenomenal in this game. Preston Smith had a nice game, I thought. Uh, I thought the offensive line really took a step. We'll talk about uh you know Zach Tom in just a moment, but there there were clearly some times where Green Bay needed to throw the ball, and I thought they afforded Aaron Rodgers more time than they did a week ago against Washington. So it looked like they took a step this week. Aaron Jones and Dylan combined for 30 carries and 197 yards on the ground. Jair Alexander had four pass breakups and an interception. Josiah DeGuara showed up all day as a blocking tight end, had one reception for like nine yards, but showed a little bit of run after the catch ability on that play. So yeah, there were some positives to take away. I'm not trying to lean negative here. I'm not trying to say like, hey, this is just all fire and brimstone, like throw it into the trash. The Packers are garbage. I I don't think that that's the case from this game. I just saw a lot of like, hey, this is a real true building block for the Packers moving forward. I saw a lot of the same mistakes. I saw times, especially early in the game when the game was kind of in the balance where they struggled to block. They were... Huge problems with tackling again, massive tackling issues. And as I've said sort of all week this week, if you can't block and you can't tackle, if you can't get the fundamentals right, everything else is going to be extremely hard for you. And I saw the same mistakes that have plagued them all season long in this game. They are not correcting themselves. So, yeah, again, great that they fought back, but these are things that still need to get cleaned up. I love all of the positives that, we, that I just named. Love the rookies flashing, love the offensive line stepping up. The running backs were phenomenal. Jair was great. DeGuara was great. There's some real positives that they can build upon, but we are getting past the point of like, hey, these are some positives we can build upon. You are three and five. And I know the NFC sort of sucks, but you have to start putting some wins together and losing four in a row is not a great way to do that. So they'll head to Detroit and we'll see what they can do there. Hello friends, by now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water, and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. As far as the the negatives in this game,
2: I thought Green Bay had a lot of fake tough guy moments in this game. The push on the sideline by Quay Walker on a coach, fake tough guy. When you are talking smack late in games, when you're down double digits to the bills in the second half and the bills are basically indifferent to what you're doing at that point, fake tough guy. You wanna be a tough guy? You want to be somebody that shows up. You know what? Make a play in the freaking hole when you have the opportunity to make a tackle and get them down for five yards instead of having them go for 16, 20, 25 yards. That's a tough guy. You want to be a tough guy? Don't throw a, a chicken wing at Josh Allen in the open field and actually go hit him and wrap up and bring him to the ground. Those are the things that are tough guy stuff, not all the other garbage that you're doing. And just to be crystal clear here, I don't care that the the Packers for the most part are still like competing and showing energy late in the game. Like it's tough to turn that switch off. And if you do, you're just going to get run over. Right? So the fact that Jair and some of those guys are still chirping and doing the things that they have to, like they have to basically like keep the switch on in their mind that this is still a competitive game. And what they just did was going to help the Packers still find a way to win. So I I don't mind like not turning that off, but it's the fake tough guy stuff that bothers me and I want to see this team go out and actually tackle and block up front and then like you can you can act like a tough guy because that to me the, the performance overall through what eight games a season now there's no tough guy stuff there you can't block and you can't tackle you want to be a tough guy block and tackle then you can pretend to be a tough guy because right now that's all it is is pretending to be a tough guy um the other things in this game, uh, Darnell Savage, brutal. I thought he was a beyond terrible tackler in this game. And this is sort of some of the same things that we've seen out of Darnell Savage this season and his career. And it's not getting better. I, to me, it's, it's Rudy Ford time. And I'm not one that's generally like bench the guy, get him out of there. I, I really would have loved Darnell Savage to succeed. Rudy Ford's played great in limited snaps. And you know what? Maybe it doesn't work out. And and trust me, there are limitations within Adrian Amos, Rudy Ford, uh, secondary or safety group. Like there's, there's gonna be some limitations there. But you know what Rudy Ford does? He plays the game at a million miles per hour and he's gonna try to hit people and come up and he's not afraid of anything. Same thing to an extent with Eric Stokes and Keyshawn Nixon, where Stokes got benched in a part of this game and they brought Nixon in and then they brought Stokes back. And listen, I like, there's going to be issues with Nixon on the field. He can't cover as well, but guess what? You know what he's going to do? He's going to fly around the field. He's going to try to tackle people. And he's going to try to make sure that he's getting people to the ground. And he's not going to throw chicken wings at people or just avoid run defense. Like Eric Stokes does. I I would probably still go Stokes, but maybe I go with Nixon more on base downs. And maybe I go with Stokes more on obvious passing downs. I don't know, but this is a soft defense that doesn't want to tackle in the secondary. Adrian Amos is backing up towards the end zone on the play to, I, what was it? You know, I do not even know like the, the, play, the end around to the receiver and you know, they get in the end zone on that play. Amos is like backing up until like, again, he's basically in the end zone. Like you got to go attack him or he's going to score a touchdown. So that's been an issue. Jack Coco, low snaps all game. And it's been an issue all season, high snaps, low snaps. Like we, we, The issues all last year of long snapper and the the entire process not being good that's not cleaned up. Think of I I think this stuff can get glossed over at the end of a game where you you know it didn't really matter if Mason Crosby made the field goal or not. Green Bay was going to lose that game. It, It didn't really matter. Imagine that the Packers had played that game against the Bills insanely hard all game long, and that was a play that would have tied the game. Imagine it was 27 to 24 at that point. Mason Crosby, 55 yarder to tie the game at the end and send the game into overtime. Jack Coco basically grounds the ball, sets the entire process off and Crosby hits it wide left. And it's gonna look awful on Crosby, but that's on Coco. And you are still, after a year last year where you couldn't get anything right from a long snapping standpoint, you're sitting here a year later and you're still having the same issues. And that has been a big issue for Green Bay is these same issues are rearing their ugly head over and over and over the long snapping issues, the special teams issues, tackling issues, blocking issues. It's fundamental stuff and they just can't get it right. So yeah, you know, it may not have seemed like much at the end of the game, but put yourself in the shoes of if that kick actually mattered. If it was down three game on the line, you would have been pissed off and rightfully so. And it gets swept under the rug because the kick ultimately didn't matter, but we saw low snaps from Coco all game long. The Packers defensive interior, for all the things that the Bills are amazing at, the running the football is not one of them. So to allow the Bills running backs to, you know, ga- you know gash you in the first half, completely unacceptable. And what we saw in training camp and now I guess we probably know it's just because they were going up against this Packers offensive line, but Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry and, and, and the interior guys, clearly Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary are still having a level of success, but we saw a defensive line that was getting after the quarterback, all training camp long, and even against the, the saints when they were in town. And that hasn't showed up at all in the regular season. They hadn't, they haven't stopped the run successfully and they haven't gotten out after the quarterback anywhere near enough. So that has been a major issue. And Zach Tom, who I thought performed admirably a couple weeks ago, you just tell, and this is one of the issues I've been talking about when, when Zach Tom got to camp, he looks like a tight end. He like, who's bigger Mercedes Lewis or Zach Tom, like Mercedes Lewis by far in a way, looks like the bigger player. And you can list Zach Tom at 305 pounds. He looks closer to like two high two seventies, low two eighties. And he's probably a little bit bigger than that, but it's not by much. And yeah, I think that he has the ability to survive a little bit at tackle against maybe some, some edge rushers, but man, you get powerful guys against him or you get some of these big defensive linemen. They're just going to power him right back into the quarterback. And that's what we saw. He's just not a guard at this point, And he needs a, a season in the weight room. And listen, they don't have another great option, right? even if Jake Hansen was healthy, that's not a great option. We know Royce Newman not a great option. Elton Jenkins is out. So it's imperfect. I get that, but that that was an issue in this game. And, and uh, as much as I like Zach Tom moving forward, and I think if he can put some functional strength on, he can have a lot of success in this league. It's probably not at guard and he probably needs to stick at tackle. And he might just be like a rotational swing tackle through the course of his career. So we'll see, but that was an issue in this one as well. Injuries, also an issue. Uh, Christian Watson goes out with a concussion. Uh, had to look like a neck injury at first. We'll see if it's just a concussion. Devondre Campbell leaves with a knee injury, doesn't return. And then Preston Smith and Sammy Watkins also had some injuries towards the end of the game as well. So Green Bay does not get out of this game with a clean bill of health either. And I'll just say this one more time. I in no way, shape, or form am trying to be negative coming off this game. And I it, it, I know it sounds like that I um, just full transparency. I get it. I know it doesn't sound great um what I've gone over in this episode so far. I love some of the individual positives. I love that they found a little bit more of a formula running the football. i I do like some of those things, but as and as a fan and and you guys know me probably know me well enough to know. I have to separate church and state sometimes. I am a fan of the Green Bay Packers. I've got Packers stuff behind me. I've got Packers stuff all over my room. I'm a true fan of the Green Bay Packers. I grew up, you know, uh, what, 10 miles from Lambeau Field. And, you know, I've had season tickets since I've been seven years old. And I I clearly love the team as much as anyone in the world, if not more. I dedicated my life to this. I created a a 365-day-a-year podcast for this. I love this stuff. I love this team and I am still a fan. But when I come on here and I talk to you or when I'm in the press box or when I'm asking Matt LaFleur questions or uh, when I'm on the sidelines as a credentialed media member, any of that stuff, I, I take my fan hat off. I, As much as I possibly can, I become an analyst or whatever you wanna call me. And I try to break down the game and tell you guys what I see as realistically as possible try to take off the fan glasses. I try to take off the rose tinted glasses when, you know, I, all of it. I just try to bring you my honest opinion as much as I can. Sometimes it's going to sound positive. Sometimes sometimes it's going to sound negative, but my goal as much as I can is to be realistic. And as I look at this team right now through eight games after losing, you know, what, four games in a row now, I don't see a team that is correcting their mistakes I don't see a team that's real, you know, ready to compete at the highest level, and I don't see a team that really has, you know, a, even a great shot to make the playoffs. The division probably already out of reach. I think Minnesota probably runs away with that, and you are fighting tooth and nail in a really bad NFC for one of those last wildcard spots. And I really want to see them get that. I really want to see them have that opportunity. I will really, every year, every single year. There is the team that gets hot at the right time, sort of out of nowhere, and all of their struggles at the beginning or middle of the season don't even matter because they gel at the right time and they get things right at the right time. And all of a sudden, it just, there's a spark. It happens. We all thought going into this season that this team was talented enough. I think it's fair to question if that was actually true at this point, but. I do think they are far more talented than the results have been so far in this season. And the hope is that they find a way to figure those things out. And there were some signs in this game of things that they can do moving forward against lesser opponents, like hopefully a Detroit Lions coming up this week, that will hopefully work. And I think that's fair. And as a fan, I have hope for that as well. But I also see a team that struggles with the fundamentals and has a lot of questions to answer through eight games in the season. And it's really difficult to say, I think they can find answers to all of the issues that are plaguing them and find a way to win a bunch of games, get in the playoffs, get hot, probably go three games on the road in the NFC, and then beat a Chiefs or Bills in the Super Bowl. I think that's probably fair to say that that seems fairly unrealistic at this point. It doesn't mean don't be positive. It doesn't mean don't cheer them on. It doesn't mean don't look for the positives where you can find them because that stuff's important. And this should be, you know, be fun. This should be a, uh, you know, watching sports, watching your team, all of that should be fun. So if you, out of this game, took a lot of positives and see things that you think that they can take moving forward and really turn this into a winning season, that's great, I don't wanna take that from you. I I wish I had that as well, sincerely. Um, But as I watch this team, I see some of the things that that plagued the Packers in some of the final McCarthy years. And, it, you know, it's just not a great brand of football. The last thing I'll say here, I think the thing that tells you all you need to know is that really it's sort of that seven-minute drive down 17, end of the third quarter, where they, go, they take seven minutes off the clock and 11 plays and go four and out at the end. Uh, or turnover and downs at the end. This is a team that at that point is down 17 points late third quarter. And they did not have the faith in their offense that they could go and spread out the field and get chunk plays through the, th- through the passing game. They basically like, you could tell that Rogers and Lafleur felt just handcuffed. Like they couldn't, they couldn't run an offense that they knew they needed to run to get back in the game. They just had to keep running the football and hope for the best and hope they were going to get some explosives out of it. And I, th- I think that in a way that that tells you what you need to know, this is just an offense that doesn't have the full capabilities of going up and down the field and scoring points at will. This is another really low scoring affair against a Bills team where you knew they were going to have to put up points. And it's just going to be really, really difficult to overcome and. To be, to be truthful, this team just needs a bye week really bad, and they're still a ways away from getting that bye week. And they've got, you know, they get the, the Lions next week and their third consecutive road game. And the Lions, you know, are gonna fight everyone. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They're probably gonna be in it at the end. And then you've got Cowboys, Titans, Eagles in three consecutive games. So this is gonna be really, really difficult coming up. And I've, I'm hoping for the best I'm remaining uh, you know, optimistic through the remainder of the season to see how they can turn this around. I'm excited to see how, what players step up and who turns it around and, and who really tries to get this team going. Um, but I, I don't take this as a, a moral victory. And I think that there's still a lot of stuff that needs to get cleaned up. And hey, since we're you know owning up to things or if, I, if I'm gonna call out the Packers on things, I gotta be open with myself too. I, I said all off season long, all off-season long, that this regular season didn't matter all that much. I said, no matter what happens, unless something catastrophic happens, the Packers will be one of the best seven teams in the NFC, and they just got to get ready to play their best brand of football in January and February. I don't know how many times I said it. I said it over and over. I was wrong. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I'll own that one. And you know, um, I I don't think anything catastrophic happened. Now, you could argue that like everything going to crap to a level that we didn't expect um, is maybe catastrophic. But what I meant in the offseason was basically like unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. If Aaron Rodgers and the majority of this team is healthy, they're going to easily be one of the top seven teams. They're not. They've been mostly healthy through the course of the season so far. I know the Bakhtiari stuff, the Jenkins stuff has clouded the offensive line. I know they've been beat up at wide receiver, but in comparison to the rest of the league, I don't think they're more beat up than any other team. I just think they've been like they've had a normal amount of injuries and nothing catastrophic has happened. And they're not one of the best seven teams in the NFC, and they're going to have to fight their ass off to try to get to that point moving forward. So I will own uh, my off-season take there. If you're looking for a positive. I'll end with this. The last time they lost four in a row, Aaron Rodgers said that they could run the table and they won eight in a row after that. So if they can do that this time, they will go 11 and five, heading into the final two games of the regular season. So let's hope that that is what is on the docket moving forward. I will be right back here tomorrow with an all-new episode, so make sure to subscribe already uh, and check that out tomorrow. I will be going over the all the you know the tape and the grades and things like that that uh, you know from the all twenty-two. So hopefully we get some more positives coming out of that, and it doesn't look as maybe doom and gloom as it did coming off of a a tough loss to the Bills on Sunday Night Football and we'll see where this team goes moving forward. I'm still excited to watch the Packers the rest of the season and see where they go from here. So hope you are as well. Hope you're enjoying the show. Like I said, make sure to subscribe. I'll see you guys tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!